everybody, I have Matt Van back with me. We are on season seven, episode 14, the last episode of season seven before the summer break. Today, we're going to be talking about kidney disease. Hi, Matt. Good morning, Catherine. How are you keeping? I'm very good, thank you. Hoping to get out in the sunshine today. How are you? Well, I'm uh, I'm jealous immediately because on the on the opposite side of the Pennines, it's cloudy. Oh, and, no. Uh, it's gorgeous so, sunshine um, here, sorry. On, uh, on, uh, <laughs> Well, most of the year, I thought that the northeast was supposed to be cloudy and the northwest was supposed to be uh, full of sun. So it's a complete change around. But yes, I'm very well, thank you. I've been, I'm, I have to say, I'm going on holiday tomorrow morning for a rest, having been um, fishing with a very good friend of mine and also uh, watching um, a, a series of bands at our local festival, including, um, uh, what can I say? Including Motley Crew. I'm not, I won't say any more about that, but they were great fun. Very so nice. I'm going on holiday for a rest. I don't think I don't think I'll get off a sunbed for at least three days. Well, well, that's good. I was going to say, and it wouldn't be a podcast with you if you hadn't just been back from a holiday or just been going on to a holiday. Well, thanks, Catherine, <laughs> for that. I, 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 I would refer you to my wife, who is <laughs> who well, is the you lady. May as well, live life to the full. <laughs> well, indeed, yes, in, in, indeed. When you when you have to live in the north of England, I can well the northwest of England, should I say, anything that has has sun related to it, you have to grab with both hands. Absolutely. So uh, there, there we go. Absolutely. So we are going to be talking about kidney disease, the things that we need to know to ask as advisors, and um, to be able to do our underwriting research properly, and the potential terms um, to help our clients. So this is the Practical Protection Podcast. So to just give a little bit of background in terms of kidney disease, there are lots and lots of types of kidney disease and the chronic kidney disease can affect anybody. And we're going to talk about chronic kidney disease because it's, it's quite an interesting one. We must have had some really good natterings over this at times um, because the readings that you need to know about, can it can be very much one of those things where doctors aren't bothered by the reading that somebody has but it's very, very different to insurers. So we're going to sort of deep dive into that. But uh, kidney disease, it's usually older people. It's not to say that it definitely is, but it's kind of part of parcel in life. So as we get older, we tend to maybe have a bit more weight on us. Our blood pressure might increase a bit. Our cholesterol potentially increases. And it's not to say that we're going into bad or dangerous levels. It's just part and parcel of us getting older. And it's the same with the kidneys. They can sometimes, the function can change a little bit. Kidney disease in itself, is more common um, common within um, black and Asian communities. It can be linked to things like high blood pressure, diabetes, high cholesterol and enlarged prostate, some medications and linked to, to things like polycystic kidney disease. And, um, and I believe that there are five stages of kidney disease. So to start us off, Matt, can you give us a bit of background about what kidney disease is? What classifies as kidney disease? Okay, well, as you um, mentioned, there are many, many uh, classifications of kidney disease um, and classified generally around the cause of the disease itself. You've touched on one polycystic kidney disease, which is uh, genetic, uh, as, as many of our uh, listeners will know. Um, you can get something, uh, a wonderful technical name called glomerulonephritis where basically the it, it's thought the main cause of glomerulonephritis is um, autoimmune 
and just again something that we've talked about historically but that's where the body starts attacking itself yes if you like um but the most common uh kidney disease um is linked to urinary tract infections utis for short and that's called pyelonephritis which as opposed to an autoimmune glomerulonephritis is in fact a uh, caused by bacterial infection okay and that effectively um can start in the urethra um and pass uh, up into the bladder and then up through the tubes that connect the kidneys to the bladder um, and it will it can sorry uh, cause damage to the kidneys themselves and if not treated um, can eventually go move into the realms of um, kidney failure um, where you need dialysis um, and potentially hopefully uh, for those who need it kidney transplant um, and of course Again, uh, death, unfortunately, at the end of the day. So kidney disease is a, is, a, is a rock. Polycystic kidney disease is really what it says on the tin. The kidneys themselves um, start to become very cystic. Um, cysts grow within the kidneys, um, fl generally fluid-filled, and that interferes with the working of the kidneys. And... Uh, as you alluded to, kidneys are are um, incredibly important in the body, um, without any shadow of a doubt. I mean, it, just just to go back to maybe a little bit of O level um, physiological kidney, use thoughts around kidneys. But as I said, most of the listeners will know, I'm sure, um, that generally people have two kidneys. Some people are born with one. Mm -hmm. um, Sometimes if a kidney fails, um, you can have uh, the kidney can be taken out and the body and the, 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 the human body can do just as well on one. Um, you know, you, you can think about all the pairs of organs that the body has. And um, it, it's amazing, really, about how we have evolved as human beings, that somebody somewhere or maybe it's the body itself, of course, uh, <laughs> Has decided to have two just in work in case one goes wrong. Yeah, it's uh, it's, it's quite Better incredible. Better safe than sorry. Absolutely, <laughs> that's right. So generally, um, kidneys are a, a pair of organs that lie on either side of the spine in your lower back. And if anybody has been unfortunate enough to have, let's say, a kidney infection, then people generally get a feel a feeling of, of pain and soreness, generally on one side in the lower part of the back. And that can often be um, a, down to a kidney infection uh, of some sort or another. Um, each kidneys are made up of millions of uh, filtering units called nephrons. And that's where you get nephrology from to study yeah. the kidneys. And each nephron is a filter called a glomerulus and a tubule. And the basically, as I've alluded to already with the nephrons, um, the, the glomerulus actually filters the, um, the blood um, and the tubules themselves remove the waste matter from the body. But it also it's clever enough to return um, the vital minerals and salts to the blood as well. So it has a, a two way function. Um, as well as, as, as filtering in terms of uh, the waste matter and, and minerals, um, it, 
it'd be no no surprise to anybody that it also that the kidneys also take out extra water from your blood and gets rid of it through the urine as well. So if you drink loads, then your kidneys are working hard and you go to the loo a lot. Um, everybody will, will, will know that all um, themselves. So very, very important part. Um, as I've said, main job of the kidneys are around filtering the blood itself. Um, but the kidneys also release hormones into the body. And uh, amongst a number of um, jobs that they do, one of them, one of the very important ones is to control blood pressure. By controlling the water, by, by controlling the water levels themselves itself, um, and you often, when people are first checked, I say first checked when they are first checked and reviewed, then the uh, medics will often look at not only but the um, uh, the blood pressure itself. Uh, but but also the the functioning of the kidneys. So sorry, probably didn't explain that very well. Because they are so, because blood pressure and kidneys are so intimately intimately related, one controls the other. If you do have hypertension, raised blood pressure, then the kidneys are certainly something that is are looked at and checked to see if there is a problem in the kidneys. Yeah. Okay. Sometimes there can be, but uh, more often than not, it is the, the, the kidneys are absolutely fine. But they will always look at that, and it was some, and it's no surprise, perhaps, to everybody that underwriters are very interested in the well-being of the kidneys in their own right, but also with somebody who has um, raised blood pressure or problems with their blood pressure. Um, the causes of kidney disease. Um, are, are, are many um, certain acute and chronic diseases can can cause uh, problems with the kidneys. Uh, tox toxic exposure to environmental pollutants or even certain medications as well. If you think of um, uh, anti-inflammatory medicines, steroids, and so forth, uh, that can can cause problem with the kidneys. And the medics will often, obviously, if you are on anti-inflammatories, will often look at the kidneys or, or monitor the kidneys to make sure that they are all, all good. Right, but when I said about toxic, my teeth are falling out again. Toxic exposure. Um, bear in mind, I just saw Motley Crue at the uh, weekend. It did. Uh, it made me smile when it said one of the causes is a heavy metal poisoning. So I thought, yeah, well, yes, I know what that's all about. Um, but to be put to be more specific, um, poisoning by lots of mercury or arsenic can cause problems with the kidneys. Yeah. Um, again, not that common these days in terms of uh, exposure, but there, there we go. Um, and it, it goes without saying that if the kidneys are unable to function properly, um, the body can become overloaded with toxins because that filtration is not working, which leads to, in turn to kidney failure. And as I've said already, and if it's not treated, it, it can cause uh, end up in death, I'm afraid. Um, so basically, uh, the type, and there are many, as Catherine has said already, many types of um, of, of kidney disease or classifications of kidney disease. The one that I particularly just wanted to 
to talk about, as it is certainly the most common, and to use its technical name, pyelonephritis, as that is um, heavily linked to um, infections in the urinary tract. Um, UTIs are much more common in women than they are in men. And one of the reasons for that is the length of the urethra, which generally in men is much longer than it is in women. And the, when that urethra is short, it allows the fact that bacteria don't have so far to travel, let me put it that way. Um, like build up in a, in a smaller area. They can they can get through and um, get into the bladder, and again, if not sorted, then then they'll get up into the kidneys and cause all types of uh, all types of problems. Um, symptoms of urinary tract infections again: um, pain in the back or in the groin area caused by the inflammation itself, chills, fever, nausea, vomiting. Again, which I think are pretty common enough with infection, if you thought about infection. And also, um, uh, the medics will often ask about uh, the, the colour of your urine as well. So dark, um, cloudy, and dare I say foul-smelling urine um, are, are often signs of a urinary tract infection. And if anybody... Uh, is any doubt um these aren't things to be ignored go and get your doctor you're probably going to put some a short course of antibiotics and that will sort it out if you don't get it sorted out it can lead to some quite nasty end results as i think i've alluded to already yeah catherine does that help at all in terms of yeah. sort of kind of giving an overview of, of a little bit about the kidneys the importance of what they do and Believe me, they are incredibly important organs. Uh, what I should say is maybe also add that um, uh, kidneys are in a completely well individual, completely um, fit individual, um, can often be different sizes. Ah. I don't know if you come across that in your, um, you know, in, in the in ah. the reports that you see. Um, and I, I, somebody just born with one. Yes, absolutely. I had that, but I don't know if I've come across one with different sizes. Yeah, I, I because of of kind of what I do, I suppose in the industry, I see an awful lot of results of mm. scans, ah. and um, it's it's quite a common feature that that um, one is is uh, larger or one smaller than the other, and also um, it's not that uncommon as well to to find isolated simple cysts on these scans you know i see a lot of scan results where the radiologist will comment on the kidneys but they're in fact looking at something completely the reason for the scan was something completely different All right. um so these are often incidental findings um these the simple cysts and again they don't cause um any problems at all and nothing to be worried about this is very difficult diff sorry very different to polycystic kidney disease i would add Yes. Um, which is which is a completely different um, uh, situation. But, yeah. yeah that's, that's really, really helpful, because especially for me, you know, obviously I'm, I'm very aware of things like high blood pressure and stuff like that. But absolutely, absolutely. In my mind, I've never linked the how the blood pressure is affected by the kidneys, you know, and, and sort of thought of that process and that connection. So that's really, really interesting to, to hear that. So thank you. No problem. Um, so in terms of what an underwriter is going to want to know if so 
I'm coming to you as an advisor. You're the underwriter on the case. I'm going to say someone has kidney disease. What is it that you want to know from me? Okay, well, the, the, the first thing that would be the most useful is is what is the what type of kidney disease are we are we, are we talking about? Um, people generally, I say generally, I, I, certainly 50-50 basis will know the type of kidney disease. So if I look at glomerulonephritis or uh, pyelonephritis, then a good number of people will remember that name because they're unusual. Um, Often uh, people will just say they have nephritis or a history of nephritis. Um, not sure about which one it was, but the um, the advisor can probe a little bit in terms of it. Most likely, um, most common is pyelonephritis. So the advisor, if we could could probe a little bit and say, you know. Did you have any uh, from any urinary tract infections? Mm -hmm. um, and then that will give you a clue that is very, if the answer is yes, they'll give you a big clue that it is likely to be pyelonephritis. So it's the classification, if known, if it's not really known, you just simply get, it was a problem with my kidneys or similar. Um, probe a little bit more about, about urinary tract infections. Um, the usual uh, questions around when were you first diagnosed? Um, when were you last? Have you been discharged? Pyelonephritis, often people are discharged because a simple course of antibiotics can, uh, can sort everything out. Um, some cases you will get... Um, uh, it's worth asking whether they know they've had their renal or their kidney function or renal function uh, tested. Yes. And I would suggest that most people would, would come back with yes, but they were unlikely to know the numbers. Um, blood like pressure. It can be tricky. It can be with, I think, particularly with renal disease because you're 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 looking at. Uh, some quite technical headings here. One, one of the you, you've got the, um, the renal function on a standard uh, blood test and biochemistry. Um, so they look at things like blood, blood urea, and creatinine, and things like that. Um, when the medics go want to look at, look into the actual functioning of the kidneys, they will tend to look at um, or use a glomerular, glomerular filtration rate or a GFR, known yeah. um, for short. And uh, this is the one that um, always, the, the test result always makes me query quite what is going on. Because as you again alluded to, Catherine, at the very, very beginning here, about the kidneys just through age um, become less um, good at their job. Let me, let me put it as, as plainly as that, mm. in terms of that filtration um, as you get older. And that's you know that's completely normal. As um, but your glomerular uh, filtration rate does drop, and it's it's it never ceases to amaze me when uh, references to CKD, so chronic kidney disease stage eight. Well, it's, it's a numerical, uh, so one, two, three, four, or whatever. Um, come up in GPRs and the, the client, could, so the report from the doctor. And 
the, 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 the their patient, our client, turns around and says, well, nobody's ever told me there was anything wrong with our, with our kidneys. Yeah. Um, you know, it comes up, and I know you and I have spoken about this before, uh, yeah. completely out of the blue. And then underwriters jump on it and say, oh, goodness gracious, CKD, oh, that, that's, that's really, really bad. But I think the underwriters need to ask a lot more questions before they make that judgment call. Um, certainly the doctors don't tend to do anything about it. Would they do anything about it in somebody who is naturally, their, their kidneys are slowly reducing their effectiveness? What can they do about it is A. <laughs> and B, do they want to tell their client, their, their patient, because it may get them worried that their kidneys are starting to fail when in fact it's just part of the normal uh, aging process. Yeah. Um, but I think underwriters need to make a, a to, to ask themselves some questions about how they treat those type of random findings the challenge you have is as an underwriter you 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 get this kind of completely out of the blue ckd3 or whatever and of course because the doctor's not doing anything about it then you don't have any readings you don't have any uh any, any re tests from the, the kidney uh, renal function tests kidney function tests or anything like that because nothing is being done obviously bear in mind what we've been saying uh, looking at the blood pressure is is important to make sure that's absolutely fine. Um, but as I say, I don't, I don't have uh, at this moment in time. I'm still investigating it to be perfectly honest with you. Um, a, a magic silver bullet to say to an underwriter or, or give guidance to an underwriter about really what they should do. But as as I'm sure most of them will know. Um, the, the GFR reading tends to come up with a label and that label isn't as often as frightening as it sounds. And therefore we could be uh, applying terms to cases that are far uh, more heavy than, um, than perhaps warrant. So yeah. it is still something I'm afraid I'm, I'm, I'm still investigating and trying to come up with a, um, uh, an idea, even you know, for me let alone anybody else, but all I would say, my, my, my gentle prod at underwriters is please just don't take take that to those particular comments at face value. Let, try and um, look, look at it in the, in, in the whole. We've had some really interesting ones uh, recently um, and, and obviously things that pop into my mind. So as an advisor, because of the way that it works when I speak to underwriters, I... I usually will not do research without that eGFR reading. Yeah. Um, just because of the fact that if you speak, the general response that we get when we speak to underwriters, if we were to mention um, kidney disease, they would say, well, it comes down to what how their, what their kidney function is. If it's below this number, it'll be a decline. If it's between these numbers, it might be this rating. If it's above this, then we should be looking okay. You know, just quite, you know, a very minimal rating maybe. So it's really hard because as with anything, unless, you know, from an advisor's point of view, when we're trying to manage clients' expectations, it, it's, and, it's, and it's hard because I can understand it from the underwriter's point of view. An underwriter can't say specifically what it's going to be because there's such a range in terms of what they're seeing, in terms of their um, underwriting manuals as to what, you know, these certain cutoffs are for, yes, we can cover, no, we can't cover. And... Um, and, and ultimately, and, and I believe as well, is that the higher the numbers, the better, isn't it? I, I think when it yes. comes to the kidney function. Yes. Yeah. Um, so it's usually about, you know, them saying, sorry, right, if it's under this number, then that's when we're going to not be able to cover. So 
for me, I so when I speak to clients, I'll just say, I cannot give you an accurate indication. I, I can't choose the right insurer because I don't have enough information. And so when you were saying about people don't often know the numbers, you're right. A lot of the time people say to me, I'm not sure. And so what I tend to say to people is, look, just very quickly ring up your GP and say yeah. to them, can you let me know this? One of the other things I do say to people as well is, and this isn't trying to get around any kind of um, agreements that are in place or anything, but obviously GPs are told that if somebody wants something for insurance purposes, that there's a specific route to take, the insurer has to pay the GP for a report. And, and that's obviously all set up and it's absolutely fine. But what's important is to make sure the client's aware to, in a sense, to not hide it from the GP. I'm not going to say that at all, but just be very clear that when, when this isn't an insurer asking this is themselves asking because they need to do research. So it's, it's you know, we're not triggering into this, you know, this whole thing of the GPR process yet, because as soon as it's mentioned that it's insurer, then there can be times that, you know, I've certainly come across it where someone said, well, I said to them, it's because I'm going for insurance. And they've said, no, they can't tell me. And that's really, that's quite an issue in terms of data protection as well, because it is, it is their own data. They should be given that information from the GP, but it's when that insurance is set in. So what I tend to say to people is, um, because of the fact that, as I say, I'm not an insurer, I'm just doing research from the start, I will say to people, right, ask your GP and just say, for your own knowledge, you would like to know what those readings were. And yep, you, know, some, you know, some people can get it off their patient summaries that they can access online. They're not always on there, um, but they do seem to be getting better and better at putting things on there. So that can be quite good. I have to say as well, advisors, I have had it before where people have actually said that they were going to give me their logins for their NHS patient summaries. I've always refused and I would strongly suggest that anybody else also refuses because yes, we can go in and find the information we need quickly. But and yes, we do have their permission, but I do think that that was stepping over a line going in and, and having someone's login details. Um, luckily, I've always stopped it before I've ever been given those, those that <laughs> information. Um, but, you know, certainly not something that I would like. Um, but then, you know, in terms of difficulties, there's two main difficulties that I've come across in the past. Because I think we said before, Matt, when we were chatting that when we are looking at the the normal ranges for a kidney function, that's set up generally based upon white European men between the ages of, sorry, between 20 and 40. Is that correct? Yeah. 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 So if we've got that, then basically, so they're the standard ones. So whereas with blood pressure and with diabetes, type 2 diabetes and high BMI, insurers kind of there, as far as I'm aware, to the best of my knowledge, a lot of their underwriting guides will kind of flow and adapt with age to go well actually we would expect someone's blood pressure to be a bit different once they reach the age of 60 we wouldn't expect it to still be the same as if they're in the 20s so we'll consider someone in their 60s for their readings to be this and for that to be considered normal yeah. and you know and, and things like that and the same with type 2 diabetes it's sometimes seen as a bit part and parcel of getting older um but with the kidney function that doesn't happen does it it's it's not because it I, I've certainly come across it where there's been people who have been told that they've got, you know, the, the chronic kidney disease in a sense, it's, or the reading is suggesting chronic kidney disease. And their doctor's just like, but this is just, you know, you're, you're in your 70s. It's it's normal. But yeah. the insurers are still, but no, it's outside of this normal range. And that normal range is set to that. And the reason I'm, I'm being very specific by saying white European men, because there's, there's something else I'll come on to, um, that is to do with ethnicity. Um, 
and it is for that for people who are maybe a good 20 30 years younger than the people that we may be trying to get underwritten it's a tricky one I, I, it is a, it is a tricky one no you, you you're absolutely right and um It's probably not an answer. There's not an answer. Well, in the no, the I, was thinking, I, was, I was alluding to. <laughs> I, I was alluding to before. I, I, I don't think there is no silver bullet answer yeah. that I can, I can I can advise or or just even discuss to to that. Um, apart from to um, you know, we've got underwriters out there who are you know who specialise in kidney disease underwriting. Yes. Um, I you know certainly insurers have these people, um, but. I would rather than I, I would totally advise rather than just take a random reading, sorry, a random reference to this person has CKD three or CKD four, um, which often occur in GPRs, particularly yes. older people, um, is is just to question really what that is all about. Absolutely. Quite. What is is that reference actually meaning? I mean, the the I, I do remember many years ago going to a lecture from a nephrologist, um, insurance related uh, lecture, and he quite he talked about um, eg egfr. Um, so the e, by the way, to to anybody is estimate is uh, the e represents estimated. Okay. So estimated glomerular filtration rate. He actually said, you know, these that, and I, th and I think anybody who is very well medical trained would, would, would probably agree. EGFR is only one part of the picture, and a nephrologist looking at a treatment regime for somebody will look at numerous uh, angles, not just the EGFR. And I think. Again, that points back to my 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 advice to underwriters is to look at each case in the round, and not just take a particular reading as the be all and end all of of the case that they are looking at in their underwriting decision. Um, I do remember a very simple comment that that the 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 chap the, the consultant who was doing that lecture was saying. Also, EFGFR, EGFR can be um, uh, influenced by the amount of water you just had before it was taken, that you've just taken. Ah. So if we go back to this wonderful um, scenario and writing scenario where you actually have a limit on something, you know, so it can't be below this. Let's to use a, 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 an extreme example. If it's below this then it is a decline. The fact that they've just had, I can't must admit, I'm not quite sure which way round it is, um, but if you've just had a load of water before your test, then, and that influences your GFR, and in fact it goes up, that could put you into the actually acceptable limit. So what I'm really trying to say there is, Something as quick as is as simple as drinking a load of water can affect that EGFR rate and can change the outcome. And that really is an example of what I mean as look at it, look at the case in the round. Also, I think with EGFRs, the important thing there is we talked about age, putting that to one side just for a second, is look at uh, a serial readings. Um, in other words, if, if you have an up-to-date EGFR, great. But let's also look at the one maybe that was taken six months before that, 
six months before that and six months before that to see if there is any progression in the deterioration of the kidney yes. function. Yeah. That that's quite often something which again um Underwriters don't I, t t take into account. Let me let me say some underwriters um, because they're looking simply at a manual and not looking at the case, uh, an underwriting manual, and not looking at the case in the round. They forget to look at how a case is progressing. Somebody might have a low eGFR, but he's actually had no progression in terms of what I mean by progression is deterioration. In the kidneys for five years. Hmm. That's very different to somebody who's who started off at let's say these are random numbers by the way I'm going to quote started off at 100 and then has been went down to 50 in five years. That's different because that's showing a progressive deterioration in kidney disease. So again, I just go back to and sounding like a stuck record, underwriters I think owe it to their clients to look at each case on its merits and in the round, yeah. and not just take a single reading as the be all and end all. Absolutely. And I think, um, and so and moving sort of like a little bit further with, with that as well, and from an advisor point of view, so this is something that we specifically came across, is, and, and this is really, really hard because, you know, I mentioned, I was mentioning before about white European men, and there's a very specific reason for that because we do find, and I mentioned before that obviously um, chronic kidney disease can be more common in the black and Asian communities, but, the for people who who aren't white, their normal kidney functions and their readings are slightly different to those of white people. Yep. And the difficulty that we have is, and, and obviously I, I would never suggest that, you know, we don't ask about ethnicity in the applications and it's right that we don't, but it actually can be a negative that we don't. So I very distinctly remember that we were supporting somebody and um, this person um, is is famous. Um, so we knew that they um, they're black and um, and obviously we hadn't asked or anything like that. It's just we knew because obviously you can see them because they're famous. Um, yeah. And there was something that came up about the kidneys. And because we knew they were black, we challenged it and we said, well, hang on a minute, you are underwriting this person based upon the normal readings of a white you know white european male what happens if you look at the normal readings for somebody that is black and it was obviously it was it was a challenge that was put to the insurer and what was really positive actually is that the insurer said you know what you're right actually and We've gone now and we have looked and we've looked at what would be the, the normal readings for somebody who is black. And um, the re his readings are in completely normal ranges. So it's fine. We don't have an issue. And and it's, sort of, it's, it's that really difficult thing. And, and obviously, there's certainly not a solution for this at all. And we should never be asking people about ethnicity. But that is an example of where ethnicity and actually being aware of that massively helped this person because it went from it being a a rateable um disclosure to it actually being discounted and uh, and i don't really know the solution for that and I, I i don't even think that there is a solution for that but at the same point it does mean that because the underwriting is it's hard because we can't have it any both ways can we we can't not ask but then also expect to be able to tap into um sort of the the underwriting um 
the, the different medical outcomes or different normalities of different ethnicities at this you know we can't have it both ways you know in a sense if we're going to be accessing that and making sure that people are assessed based upon what their is their normal bodily function based upon their ethnicity then we would need to ask about ethnicity at point of application but obviously it's not okay to ask at point of application about ethnicity so we can't then do these challenges unless we're in a very unique situation like we were where we just so happen to know um about this person's ethnicity so i know that that's obviously very very tricky thing but it is something where i I just i don't think there's a solution and, and i feel uncomfy that there's not a solution but i can't see how we could make it work unless people obviously wanted to volunteer their ethnicity obviously they could do that um yeah i i i i, I there isn't an answer in the world that we live in no. um, to uh, which is it is it sounds such a flippant flippant comment, but it is kind of one of those one of those fairly rare areas where uh, obviously um, somebody with um, a Caribbean uh, African ethnicity can be penalised. Yes, um, unfortunately. Um, but if you know, I, I always go back to if 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 the client is known to the um, uh, the IFA uh, or the introducer, sorry, um, then you know by all means use that information. Yeah, for for um, people who do face to face meetings, obviously it's very absolutely. clear. But there's there's many of us who don't do face to face meetings, and it, it's just agree. an interesting dynamic. And I think it's. Um, yeah, I don't think there's an answer, um, but it is something that if you are face to face with somebody and there is something that's maybe happening with the kidney, it might be something that pops up in a medical um, that you, you maybe you're unaware of or anything like that. Maybe they've, they've not even been told that there's something going on with the kidneys previously. Well, but you know. <laughs> exactly. They might not yeah. even know, um, but it is something just to be mindful of. Yeah, and, and in a sense of, you know, we never, you know, we, we don't want to point out ethnicities. You know, we certainly don't want to do anything like that. But it can potentially lead to a positive outcome. Absolutely. Um. So, and I think that's the thing. And that's a good. It's a good reason to to mention it is because there is that potential positive, um, outcome from it if we are able to do that. We've and, had and such a good natamat, haven't we? We've had, we've had a really. <laughs> I was no, going to no, say we're no. really pushing our time today. Oh goodness coming. gracious! Oh, yeah. I'm sorry about that. I I would just oh. maybe go 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 back to that just throw another um question out there how would that case have gone if the client had been mixed race well matt i know i'm a doctor however <laughs> um <Touché>. i think <laughs> i think we are pushing my limits i don't often admit that there's a limit to my knowledge um but well, that is absolutely um that's definitely pushing me. <laughs> it's, um, it's, that's an interesting one, I have to say. But either it which is. way, it's. But I, I, I I'm, I'm very glad. Um, bear in mind, most of my life I've spent on the underwriting side of it. I'm very glad that the insurer, in my opinion, saw, um, saw complete sense. Yes. In, um, in, 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 you know, race, not allowing that case as a normal case. Let me put it that way. Um, yeah. I, I can see. I'm not sure if you get many insurers, but you can just see somebody somewhere saying, well, we can't take that into account. Therefore, the gentleman is still rated. 
Oh, the absolute. Yeah. I was going to say, Matt, there is absolutely. There's, there's, there's a few in mind that I just would not. <laughs> oh, right. Okay. You, you, there's you a few know. in mind I would just not approach. The, this, the thing is, with certain conditions, that's part of who we are at Curie. You know, there's yeah, different conditions. There's some conditions that I'll know I'm not going to go to that insurer in the slightest. Yeah. And then there's other ones where it's just like, you know what, they'll be really good for this. And yeah. that is part and parcel. I know some people say, well, you know, some people, especially aren't in the space and aren't involved in it in, in as depth as, say, like me and you are, um, they'll probably say, well, there should be more consistency. But ultimately, insurers, our business, they take on risks. And, and what you do find as well is that insurers will flow. Um, so, you know, I know full well that some insurers will, they'll suddenly improve in one area. But then that means that they've actually, in a sense, almost feels like they've gone backwards in a different area and they've made a different area worse because they are, they're changing what their risk appetite is. That's what it's referred to, isn't it, I believe? Um, yeah, and And, you know, but then there'll be another insurer who is taking on the, the one that's gone backwards. The, there'll be someone else who's actually gone forwards in that space. And um, and it's just the very nature of, um, of business, to be honest. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, it doesn't help people who go to the one who's gone a bit backwards, though, which is obviously why there's people like ourselves around who are doing everything we can to, to help. No, absolutely. I'll also just just throw in one more sentence on on on, on that. If if advisors are looking for consistency amongst underwriters, are advisors looking for consistent consistency um, from medical doctors? Because medical doctors have different views on different risks. Oh, absolutely. Um, and when I say risks, I mean risks in their day-to-day job as in treating people they will have a different view they are not consistent hence why the great you know they get a second opinion kind of scenario yes. coming up. yeah um, so please don't feel you know i would say to advisors out there don't don't um don't batter the underwriters too much for being inconsistent when a lot of the data that they get and obviously they will take advice from chief medical officers and doctors um is inconsistent in its own right Absolutely. That's, that's all part of the skill of the underwriter. Absolutely. As the skill of the doctor. Yeah. And and I think what's interesting about that as well, when we're saying, you know, everybody's got to be subjective. But I think as well, sometimes it depends because like you, Matt, as a seasoned underwriter, can look at things and probably feel like, you know what, I'm actually, with all my experience, I can look at that and I'm feeling okay about this and I'll do that. And you can get different underwriting outcomes within the same insurer. But I think what we all need to be very aware of as well is that, you know, there'll always be people who are starting off as junior underwriters as well. Yeah. And you'll have junior underwriters who are, and I have to say, if I was a junior underwriter, I would be pretty by the book because... I'd be too nervous not to be, you know, my job would be to follow the rules and follow the manuals. And I wouldn't necessarily feel the ability to kind of take, for me, I wouldn't feel the ability to, to take some kind of intuitive leaps in some instances. And I think, you know, we, we've got to understand that. So it is often your more senior underwriters who can look at things with a bit more. It's, um, it's called, I think it, it's, it's in the round. I've, yeah. used, I've used in the round that, that phrase quite a bit during our conversation today around kidney disease underwriting. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's all a part of that um, that that learning curve. Um, there, there's no two ways about it. And yeah. I, I know I've, I've been very very lucky because I had 18 years worth of reinsurance, yeah. um, which kind of every single case you saw there was a, a medical problem or some form of risk related problem. Yeah. Uh, and you know, I was, 
had tutorage from the great Dr. Brackenridge, as, as, as yeah. I alluded to, and then another 18, 17 years, whatever it was, in insurance world. Yeah. Before, for the last 10 years or whatever it is, I um, you know came in to kind of uh, introduce the world, if you like. So yes. I've been very, very, very lucky. And not all underwriters have that have had that kind of lucky route to their to, to develop their yeah. experience and to look at things in the round so i totally honestly agree with you yeah absolutely and i think and i think it's good as well to point out to put comments on that and towards advisors as well you get someone who's advising the first year in yeah they yeah. are going to be so different 10 years later as to what absolutely. they do once they've seen changes in the market you know it's all of us are progressing all of us are learning all the time and you know we might not necessarily get the answers that we want from insurers um and and i think sometimes as well sometimes those answers are rightfully so because sometimes the risks are too intense yeah, and we yeah. need to go more specialists um but you know there are times that we can push back as well there's there's certainly plenty of times where we've needed to push back because the underwriting has seemed a bit harsh and then to be honest you speak to someone who's senior and you get a, a mix you know there'll be a mix of them saying no actually this is right you know this decision because and they'll they'll maybe have the more experience to explain it in depth and in an understandable way which That's helps us as advisors to to learn for next time spotting That's a client in a similar situation and then there'll be other times when they'll go you know what, actually this was this was a bit you know a bit overzealous um and you know we're actually okay with this um okay so last couple of things then, and then we'll do some case studies. So very, very quick on these ones. Is there any kind of long-term symptoms, <clears throat> Matt, that we need to be aware of? Now, I'm, I'm sure blood in the urine is going to be something that insurers are going to be, mm, well, what's going on there? You know, I've, I've certainly, and to be honest, I've had quite a lot of people I've been supporting this year who there's been blood in the urine. Um, and But there doesn't seem to be any concern on the medical side. It seems to just be <laughs> the medical side just go, yeah, it's happening, just you know, carry on, do your thing. But obviously in insurance world, it's it's a thing. But are there, are there any other kind of symptoms we should really be looking out for that would well, make think us that, think? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. It depends on the type of information that you that you have. In terms of the um, more generically, then you're looking at protein in the urine as yes. well as blood. Protein is more, I mean, the, the it's a bit scary. That's that, what I meant. I meant that, protein in the urine valve. No, it's okay. Um, yep. it's, um, if somebody has protein or blood in their urine, just like if they had sugar in the urine, they should be followed up to find out the root cause of it. No two worries. If they have blood in the urine, in particular hematuria, then that needs very quick follow-up because the worst case scenario is cancer. Yes, Protein is more likely to be either infection-related um, or um, a, a disease in the kidneys itself. Um, um, white blood cells should be looked at, again, very um, typical of an infection. Okay, If you've got a lot of white blood cells hanging around in your, in your urine, then there's likely to be an infection going around. Uh, again, infections, we've talked about urinary tract infections and so on and so forth. Um, the obvious one, just to restate it again, is blood pressure. Yeah. Think kidney, think blood pressure. Think blood pressure, think kidney. Very, very uh, intimately linked. 
Um, there are there are many tests which we kind of talked about. We talked about the marrow filtration rates. We talked about blood urea nitrogen. We talked about creatinine and things like that, which all are blood tend to, uh, the latter anyway certainly are blood tests. Um, but for underwriters, it's, uh, the, it, as I think we've alluded to, it, this is quite a, a difficult area to underwrite, primarily because yeah. often there is a limitation of information, a limit of the information available. Um, but those are, those are the type of things that underwriters will look at. Does yeah. that help? Yeah, absolutely. And um, something that pops up in our family medical history questions um, before the age of 60 or before the age of 65, polycystic kidney disease. How is that going to, if we tick a yes for that, how is that going to be affecting our um, applications, do we think? I think in terms of um, polycystic kidney disease for a start, it, it's usually you get the symptoms. So look at blood pressure, dare I say, yeah. um, usually uh, between the ages of 30 and 40 but it can be seen in childhood. So again, the, the ages uh, will, will start to give you a clue um, in, in terms of your applicant, so your client. Um, the if, if somebody is positive, has been tested and is positive for uh, polycystic kidney disease, then there is, I believe for life insurance, then it rather dare I say it again rather depends on the, uh, the term of the policy mm. shorter the more likely you like to get it um, but also the extent of the uh, of, of the invasion of those cysts and therefore the impact on the renal function itself yeah so again the dreaded tests start to come out here but I think you might should be able, well be able to get cover um, as long as there isn't a significant deterioration and dependent on the age of the client, et cetera, et cetera. In terms of the uh, the, the living benefits, critical illness and income protection, then I don't think you'll be able to get it. Okay. Um, there are some... some shall I leave it at that, by the way? <laughs> no, that's fine. Me. So that was the potential. Sorry, can I just check as well? Did we did we clarify how family history would affect it? So if it's a family member? Oh, um, if it's a family member and the person has never been tested... Yeah. Um, then if they are over the age of 40, they, if they're, let's say, so this is your client, the applicant, yeah. if they are, if they are, let's say 50 or 60 and they have a family history, then I think it can be ignored because um, it's, it's an also yeah, the, the condition is autosomal dominant. So technical expression, um, which basically means that the, why I mentioned that is that every child of somebody, of one of the parents who has that, disease yeah. it says a 50 50 chance of getting the disease yeah okay so therefore you could well be a child and can be completely absolutely fine yeah um normally particularly these days last 10 years or so if um a parent is positive or has the disease which has then been found because of high blood raging hypertension something like that um often the the, the children are genetically tested yeah and then obviously if the genetic test can be produced that is negative then people can yeah. get terms obviously on virtually normal terms yeah so then that's really important as well so just yeah absolutely because i think as well just to be clear to everybody so obviously the insurer won't ask about genetic tests but no. if the person has the genetic test and it was negative you can volunteer that information absolutely but, yeah but as i've mentioned before as well 
if you are speaking with somebody and this is kind of conversations are happening and they say, should I get a genetic test? That is where we're starting to get to an area where we need to sort of step back a little bit in terms of what we're saying, because if somebody is aware of this, it's similar to the Huntington's um, question as well. If somebody is aware of a familial um, condition where there could be a genetic test and they've previously decided not to get it tested, for them to go and get tested purely to get insurance, that's a huge emotional decision. And it's not one to take lightly. And also as well, the ultimate outcome is, is that it could come back positive and then the insurance still isn't going to necessarily work the way that we're wanting it to. But then that person now actually has the outlook that they would previously wanted to avoid. Um, so just be very, very careful if you're going to that kind of area. And, and as always, if somebody, if you are faced with that kind of a discussion with a client, I'm always happy to chat with them, chat with you and see if you want to have a bit of a testing out of your wording and things like that. Um, but yes, sir, for, for yeah, things we, like the, so go on, Matt. No, I was just going to say, you, you, you're absolutely 100% right. It is not something that um, introducers, introducers should really get involved with. The, um, the, the, the clinics that do genetic testing, if it is a, 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 a bona fide uh, clinic, you know, experienced in all this type of thing, uh, of genetic testing, they will have specialist people working for them that can discuss the pros and cons of having a genetic test. And in my, to my knowledge, they won't do a genetic test until somebody has had that counselling. The challenge that we have these days is there are genetic tests that you can get off the internet. Well, you know what, Matt? I've gone for genetic testing. Off the internet? Not off the internet. With uh, private and don't tell, me you didn't, don't tell me you didn't have any counselling. I didn't have any counselling. In which case, I stand corrected. I so stand corrected. I went through a private, uh, a legitimate private uh, medical uh, company. And uh, I know because we use them sometimes with our private medical insurance, so one of the, the hospitals that we would be using for that. Yeah, yeah. And... Um, and we, we used them and um, it was a saliva collection and it's, um, the, they, it was a doctor. So a doctor does ring and basically says, um, this is going to be happening. If any, basically along the lines, this is going to be happening. Um, if you, if something pops up, we'll obviously provide counseling, stuff like that. But there was no kind of pre-counseling but what I have to say is in terms of the um conditions that were being tested for um none of them are specifically linked to if it was a positive diagnosis it would be terminal so yeah I think that's you know that's a key thing it's something like we're getting tested for like the 30 most common cancers this familial hypercholesterolemia and a few other things as well um but there's there's not like the We've not got to like the polycystic kidney disease, the Huntington's, anything like that. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. I it's still, you know what? I, I I I still feel a little uneasy. Yeah. With no pre-counselling, to be perfectly honest with you, but maybe that you know that's there was just, a potential. That's just a personal thing. By the maybe I must there was a mention I'm... potentially. I think when we booked it, I think there was a mention of potential pre-counselling. But maybe it was just that when they spoke to us, we were just so kind of, oh, we're absolutely fine, don't worry, that they just went, okay, fair enough. Um, but, okay. you know, that might be it. But, yeah, I, yeah. I know what okay. you mean in terms of that. Um, or maybe it's because mine says doctor on it. They're just like, well, she must know. <laughs> <laughs> they made the assumption you were medical. Oh, exactly. Good stuff. Good stuff. But no, it's, um, but no. So, 
Yeah, life insurance would probably be considering if there's somebody who does have um, kidney function outside the normal ranges, probably some um, kind of rating, depending upon how recent those changes have been shown. Um, and if there's still a bit of a umming and ahhing as to the cause, I would expect postponements or declines. Um, but if, if we know the reason, then I think, you know, we should be able to have a look at most places. But interesting you were saying there about the term, Matt. So that is something as an advisor, it's really important to know. So you might go to an insurer and say, can I have 20 years for this person? And they go, no. Sometimes with some conditions, if you say, well, what about 10 years? And they maybe will offer the risk over a shorter period of time. So it's always worth having a double check in those situations. Yeah. Um, the critical health cover and income protection side of things, they are going to be potentially specialist. Um, not necessarily so, but they, they can be and more likely going to be specialist. Um, it could be high premiums. It could be exclusions. And then it comes down to what the person feels comfortable with. In terms of critical illness cover, if there was exclusions, I think I would feel more uncertain of that than income protection. Um, just on the basis that with critical illness cover, especially with, with the kidney, obviously you, you're immediately taking out in terms of like major, major organ transplant of the kidney. You'd be taking out um, the um, potentially uh, heart attacks and strokes due to the combined link with blood pressure. Yeah. So, and, and I imagine somewhere, Matt, there's some kind of analysis that shows that kidney disease increases the risk of cancer somewhere along the line. Because um, there usually is something somewhere that shows an increase of cancer. <laughs> um, obviously, I'm not saying that from a medical or an underwriting point of view. It's just that usually when we say these things, that's, that usually pops up somewhere. Absolutely. Um, so I, I, I would be more dubious of critical illness cover than the income protection side. Um, right then, some case studies very quickly to finish us off. And then that's us it done for the summer of 2023. Um, mm -hmm. So first case study um, that we support was somebody who was a male in their early 50s, they were a non-smoker, working in uh, the care uh, industry. They've been diagnosed with polycystic kidney disease for over 10 years. They had ongoing medication, very well controlled, um, had a BMI of 35. So, so not not excessively high, but higher in terms of what the insurer was like to, to sort of like go for like standard ratings on premiums and things. It's usually going to be a rating when we get to that level. So for this person, we were able to arrange an income protection policy that had um, £1,100 worth of monthly benefits at age 70. There was a four-week deferred period, a max one-year claim period, and it was £34 per month. Now, um. I personally, considering that it is there is polycystic kidney disease there, which is quite a significant condition, um, the fact that we don't have exclusions on there, um, the fact that this person was in their 50s as well, £34 per month, I think is quite a, a positive outcome. We would ideally obviously want to have it as a longer claim period than a year, but better to have something than nothing. Yeah, totally agree on that one. Um, in then the second case study, it was a female in her late twenties, and she was a non-smoker. She had um, she'd had inherited PKD, as polycystic kidney disease, diagnosed three months before the application, and that was a genetic test. So this is where we're talking about those testing things. So she didn't have polycystic kidney disease in the sense of it wasn't a diagnostic, um. Uh, tests so there hadn't been symptoms or anything like that but there'd been a family member with it she had been tested and had been shown that she had a positive test result 
She'd had some MRIs and they were all very favorable. So we were able to arrange level life insurance of £200,000 over 25 years for £31 per month. So that's a good example to show that even if there is a positive test, genetic test, it doesn't mean that the answers are no. But it, there is consideration there that we need to just be aware of. I say this person had very favorable readings. There was no, there were nowhere near having any kind of diagnostic um, situation happening. So she wasn't symptomatic. So good outcomes there for sorry both to, sorry, sorry to interrupt. Do you have any um, recollection of the age of the, of the, of the client? Sorry, sorry. She was uh, late 20s. Late 20s. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and um, and yeah, so that was that. So that is it. Thank you for listening, everybody. We are at the end of season seven, end of episode 14. We'll be back in September with season eight. Do remember that we now have 97 episodes on the podcast and it's giving you over 70 hours of structured CPD to listen to. You can get your um, CPD certificates on the website www.practical-protection.co.uk. Do feel free to go on there. It's all nicely automated to get everything over to you nice and quickly. And you may as well do if you've had a good listen. So we might have to think of something fun to do for the 100th episode, Matt. <laughs> sounds sounds good. I'm not sure what I to do. put my thinking cap on. <laughs> Absolutely. As always, lovely to speak to you, Matt. And, and I will you. speak to you soon. Yeah, have a lovely summer break. You too. Bye. Take care. Bye.